body, soul, and mind, and we worship you this evening, Lord, for you are worthy of our praise. Hasn't he done great things in our midst, saints? Hallelujah, hallelujah, what a mighty God we serve. He's worthy. Don't be afraid to open your mouth. Don't be afraid to raise your hands. It's why we've come here to worship him. Blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. What a faithful God we serve. Blessed be your name, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. I want to try Waymaker. Can we see Waymaker in B flat? Amen. Let's just sing. We don't sing it often as a congregation, but I felt it would be good for us to sing as you are here, mending every heart. I think we have the words for Waymaker, right? Yeah. 
invite our brother Murphy to come and open the service for us in a word of prayer. We're going to take up the evening offering. Just a reminder, there will be an offering tomorrow morning as well if you didn't come prepared this evening. Amen. Brother Murphy, could I ask you to come, please? Amen. We're coming here to worship our Lord because this has done such a great things to us. And one thing I just want to share before we go to prayer, I was to have a little fellowship with Brother Samuel Mateo and in the dining hall there. And he said, the Lord has done a great thing and helped him to get a passport. It seems like almost impossible in this uh, situation for him to get a passport. The Lord did a miracle and to get him a passport so he can cross the border. But you know what he said? He said, the Lord has done such a thing to me. I want to give everything I got to him. He said, I want to seek every opportunity so that I can serve him. He said, that's why I come into the kitchen. I go into the video there to do the camera. He said, if there's any opportunity, because he has done the great thing to me. You know, that's a part of the worship. Worship is not only we just raise our hand. In every part that God puts you into the body, that is also the worship. And that's why we give it an offering. And that's why we do everything that we can to further the kingdom of God. And that's part of our worship too. And I, I want to encourage all the young people, all the people alike. If you got a one ounce of a juice that inside of you, put out it to the Lord. It's the Lord, I give you everything I can. I give you everything to worship you in spirit and in the word. And God loves that. Let us bow our head together. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, how we thank you, Lord. Lord, when we saw your word come in such a force, and when we saw your word come in such a love, Lord, that the word is still the discerner of the heart, still the discerner of every situation, still the discerner of every trial that your people go through, the sickness, both physically and mentally, and whatever that the things that your people go through, Lord, you sent your word and discerned every one of them. Lord, we thank you, Lord, because we know that you sent forth your word to heal your people. Let's make our heart thrilled, Lord. Lord, it's not just a book. It is not just a tape. It's not just a voice that we'll listen to. But we know God has come down in a personal way and to meet every need and to speak to the heart of your people. Oh, God, we love you, Lord. Lord, I pray you, Lord, if there is any darkness still in any spot, if there is still there's a darkness in any corner, may the lights shine forth and drive away all the sickness and drive away all the darkness. Lord, put your children in that condition, in the rapture face, Lord. Put your children in the position that they can receive a miracle. Put your children in a position that they can receive a healing. Lord, I was receiving the word. I pray, Lord, that you just pour down your blessing. Lord, tonight, Lord, we ever hear so many words in the last few days. But Lord, tonight, once more, I pray you come down, Lord, to let your word be proceeding forth from our dear brother Wind's mouth and going into the each heart and meet the different people's need and speak to every situation. We know, Lord, only you can meet it in the need. We thank you, Lord, because we know whenever you speak, Lord, it will satisfy us as our heart. 
Lord, as we that are giving an offering, Lord, we are. Uh, we know this is a part of our worship. We know that every penny of them that go to the amend of God, as they have to pour it out to the so much, and all the people that are helping in the camp, the counselors, and each campers, and in the kitchen, Lord, they have done their part to worship, Lord. They have done their part to provide for this body, Lord. And now we're coming to this little tent, Lord. We want to put every ounce of ourselves. That it into it is an order to as a sacrifice to worship you, Lord. As we lift up our hands to worship you, may you take this an offering, Lord. When we raise it up to praise your name, may you take this offering. I pray the fire of a God just coming down again tonight to consume it every person, Lord. Not even one dross left, Lord. You look through your blood to look everyone is the perfect, so that they can have a perfect worship. To you, we give it all our effort and everything that we have to you. We thank you, Lord. Lord, just come down to fellowship with your people. We ask in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may have your seats. We take up the morning offering. Maybe we could just sing, We Are the Generation. I'm going to invite our sister. Rachel Odette and Sister Jessica Funk, if you want to go ahead and come up and get ready for your special right away as we sing this, take up the offering. We are the generation, and we're the culmination, the final voice the world will hear, the coming of the
sisters. Sister Megan, why don't you go ahead and come? Matthias, don't go far. I'll just go straight to the special. That's right. Go ahead and come, Sister Megan, if you would, please. We're going to try to fit in a few specials. The usual camp special rush in the last couple services. We've come to worship, and this is part of our worship. We don't want you to just be entertained. We want you to enter in and enjoy. We'll hear from the choir again tomorrow, Lord willing. More specials. This is our last couple services. But, I mean, God's not done, and there's still more to be had. So we just want him to have his way. And thank you for singing, Sister Megan. Sisters, God bless you.
right, now we're going to sing Chain Breaker. Let <laughs> pull up the words to that. You've got pain, he's a pain taker. And man, if you've got chains, he's a chain breaker. We know that. Let's sing the verse. You've been walking the same. Let's sing it now. If we could go in. You've been walking the same old road for miles and miles. You've been hearing the same old voice till the same old lies. And if you're trying to fill the same old holes inside.
to God. We've seen a lot of chains broken this week. Amen. They've been broken and they've been thrown away and we got a liberated group of people. Amen. Never to be bound again. Remember, you've been purchased out of the market, the slave market. You can never, ever go back. You might as well praise Him. Thank Him. Worship Him. Amen. This camp's going to be over in a few more hours. And you won't have this opportunity again to lift up your voice to Him. What a wonderful camp we've been having. I want to welcome you all on behalf of Brother Biscal, our pastor, myself, ministry, all that have labored to make this camp possible. We welcome you tonight in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Put everything you've got into it. We're going to pull on the preacher. We had a tremendous service this morning. Brother David Mayer spoke to us from the Word of God. And our dear brother Dwayne Lawson is going to speak to us tonight. And if there's any voice left, we will have a Sunday morning service. Amen. I want, uh, you may have your seats for a moment, if you don't mind. I, we need to give uh, a very special acknowledgement. Um, it's meant a lot to me. It's meant a lot to this camp. It's meant a lot to the church already, the comments that have been made. Brother Nathan Weimer, I'd like you to stand by Nathan. I really would. Thane, Logan, Camden, could you stand? I love these guys. Not just because what you did, because what you are. You see that pond out there? That was a mud hole since we've owned this camp. And in four days, they transformed it to a beautiful pond. joint supplies and we want to acknowledge those that have labored for the kingdom and we're just so thankful that these young men are raising up as brother Murphy said not just to come and take something in and be a taker there's a lot of takers in life but if you've got the Holy Ghost and fire there's going to be a people that give and the prophet said, the greatest thrill that I have is to live and to give for others. It's not just some words, but it's action. And we want to thank all the campers, and we want to thank all the sound and all the uh, video, everything that's made this camp possible. God bless you all. It's a very humbling thing to go into a, into a kitchen. It's very humbling and to see elders within the church, not youngers, elders, cleaning your dishes, washing your spoons, not your mothers. These are brothers that have position in life and have been a part of the foundation of this church. 
And they have stood and sweated their brains out to make this camp what it is for you. And for that, I am indebted, grateful for their lives. I'm indebted, and I thank God for them. The sisters, all that have labored to make this possible. God bless you. Brother Murphy said something that really touched my heart when he was talking about the offering. We have taught our young people over the years. It's not just parents that give. There's young people that labor, also work. And part of our worship is giving. And I want to thank you for your sacrifice in your offerings and your givings so that we can have the kind of ministry that is here to feed your souls. This has been the finest camp that I have had in 37 years. And you say, and look at me, I'm not even 37 years old. But time goes on and people come and people go. But those that stay and stand true to the word of God, I take my hat off to you and thank you for your sacrifice for years to be here and be a part of what we do for our church. So God bless you all and thank God for your presence here tonight because if you weren't here, we wouldn't have anybody to preach to. You're a wonderful group of young people. You've heard a lot of word. Take that word, add it to your stature, press the battle, conquer Satan, defeat him and show him there's a young people that are not only going to survive, they're going to conquer every demon that will attack them in this generation. I am one of those few. And God bless you, young people. You say, well, I, I don't know whether I've really had too much to, to offer. But just living an everyday Christian life, Brother Branham said, is the same as those that went to the arena. And so God bless you for your life in Christ. And may the word of God come tonight like it's never come before. Lift us higher in Jesus Christ than we've ever experienced before. So why don't we stand? I, I wasn't here for the beginning of the song service. So I don't know if you sang the song, This Poor Man Cried. I'm talking about me. And he heard me. And if he can hear me, he can hear you. We're going to invite Brother Wayne Lawson to come and minister the word of God and preach what God's laid on his heart. But, oh, poor man, why don't you cry out and say, This poor man cried.
Won't you bless him today? Won't you bless him from the depths of your soul? What he really wants is your praise. What he wants is your admiration. From the free heart. From those that have been set free. From those that have been ransomed. Lord, receive your worship tonight, God. Let's bless the Lord every day and night. We worship you tonight, Lord. May you come receive your worship from our hearts, Lord. Isn't he worthy of it all? Of all you've done, of all your gathering, of all your singing, of all the worship, of all the work, of all the food, the labor, of all the grounds, of all the money spent. He's worthy of it all. And we bless the Lord. We bless him with all that was within us. We bring praise to his name tonight. We give greetings to you in the name of the Lord and we ask that uh, as we come to greet you, we greet you from our pastor, Brother Erickson, and the church there, the True Word Tabernacle. Amen. We want to uh, tonight to go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Amen. Um, I don't think my mic is in this earpiece. I think it's in just the monitors, maybe. It sounds like just a lot of air in my earpiece. We're going to bow our hearts for a word of prayer. Almighty God, we bow our hearts tonight because you are the most high God and thy name has been highly exalted. And Lord, we've tore down the idols from every high place. And we have exalted thy name and thy altar, Lord, upon every high place of our life. And Lord, we call the name of Jesus Christ over every situation of our life. And Lord, as we come into this place tonight under this tent, Lord, we've come here to worship with these young people, the this generation, these believers, Lord, that have gathered here, Lord, that they might be able to come and to find a hope, to find a light in a dark world, Lord. Come to have an encounter with a mighty God. And Lord, we're asking you tonight that may you take this service and Lord, may you use it for your divine will, Lord. We're asking you to take the voice of the mind of a man, Lord, and 
And as we would surrender it to you, I pray that you would use it for your glory. Father, we humbly ask you that you would take the meeting, that you would come to the platform, and that you would lead us down the paths of righteousness for thy name's sake, that you would open this word, Lord, and that you would be the voice behind the voice, that you would speak to the need, Lord. And Father, for the places that we don't understand or we don't know how to speak, I pray that you fill in the gaps, Lord, that you just speak to the need in the heart of your people. Now, Lord, we commit this meeting to thine hands. We ask it in Jesus' name. We pray. Amen. And amen. And God bless you tonight. If you have your Bibles, we'd like to turn into the Scripture to the book of to the book of Isaiah. I want to look at the twenty seventh chapter of the book of Isaiah. Yeah, it's working in there, but there's a lot of background noise of some kind, so it must be on some other as well. It's like a, a air blowing into it. In Isaiah chapter ten. In verse 27, there it went, thank you. Isaiah 10 and 27. We'll also look at Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. Isaiah 10 and 27. And it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off of thy neck and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Because of the anointing. Let's look in the book of Galatians. The fifth chapter. The first verse. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made thee free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. We ask the Lord to bless his word that you can be seated tonight. I want to thank Brother Biscoll and Brother Tom that the ministers here tonight for their support for us being here. Um, we want to, to thank them for their confidence and uh, our, our hearts are, are here tonight to join with each one of you. Amen. And uh, we're here to put our shoulder to the wheel tonight. Amen. To move forward in this walk of grace. Amen. As I have read this to you, I want to take from here tonight, I want to speak to you just a little bit about the anointed bride body of Jesus Christ. The anointed bride body of Jesus Christ. I believe that we've had a messenger in this age. If you were here last night, shout amen. amen. Most of you were here. Amen. We've had a messenger in this age that I believe that held the power of infallibility that was promised to return in the last days. That we would have the perfect word again as perfectly given in the days of Paul. And I believe that we've had it. I believe the authority that has been given in this age is the authority of the headship of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have not received a ministry of dishonesty, but we have received a ministry of manifestation whereby God has shown us what we believe because of the power of God has manifested it unto us that we might see it. Speaking that tonight, the prophet would say some things very wonderful. 
He would say that his ministry is not like other ministries. It's not like a pastor or an evangelist. He said, but his ministry was to declare him. He said that he is here. Now, I believe on the basis of that declaration that we have the most powerful authority to say he's here tonight as anyone who has ever lived on the face of the earth. I don't believe tonight just because I feel of a certain way or there's a certain thing happening in this building that he is here. But I believe that because a prophet of God stood in this platform in this generation and said he is here, I've got a right to declare that over every situation. I've got a right to declare that over this church tonight. I've got a right to declare that over every problem, no matter how you're feeling. No matter the situation, no matter the weariness in your life, I've got a right to declare that He is here. And i got a right to believe that over my own mind, over my own feelings, over whatever thing is happening in our lives. And we can center ourselves and focus upon this reality. He is here. Now, when we say He, we're talking about Jesus Christ is here among us. The prophet of God said He's just in another dimension. Amen, that He is here. Now, He is our headship. We covered that last night in Matthew 17. He is our headship. So, headship is here. Direction is here. Authority is here. And I believe this. I believe that authority has come to this bride. And as a prophet would say, that this very thing is happening. And how we've seen that the, the, the it's unfolded to the sunset mountain. We see that light and we see even light has come. And it's vindicating that God and Christ are one. We have seen this, that the supreme deity, the supreme authority, there's no other voice, there's no other God, there's nothing else. And when you get to that place, when you see the message but that authority, that there's no other voice, there's no other authority. There's no other power. Now you're getting ready for perfect faith. You're getting ready to close out every other voice. You're getting ready to close out confusion. You're getting ready to close out fears and troubles. And you're beginning to focus yourself upon one thing. And that's the vindicated word of the age you're living in. Now we find out the prophet calls this evening light. Do you know that light has a supreme authority over all darkness? And when light comes, darkness has to flee because there's more power in light than there is in darkness. I love the beauty of this. I love to think about light coming in to a dark room and darkness can't do anything about it. You can turn a light on in the darkest of rooms. It can be completely under the dominion of darkness and just flip one little light switch and the entire room is invaded by the supremacy of light. And I think about this message coming into this age and into our hearts as a prophet would announce it and said, there's a man here that can turn on the light. There's a man in our presence that can turn on the light. And when the light is switched on in your life, I don't care how dark it was. I don't care how much dominion Satan had in you. When the light of this message begins to shine into the corridors of your soul, it will take supreme dominion over that soul and Satan will have to flee. He's got no, he's got no authority. He's got no power. He's got no ability. This is a chief authority. 
It's coming from the West. <laughs> Amen. Isn't that powerful? A chief authority coming from the West. I'm not going to spend a lot of time there. We were there last night. It's a chief authority that's coming from the West. Do you know that God said that whenever the enemy would come in, that he would raise a standard against that enemy? He said that. He said, when the enemy comes like a flood, God will raise a standard. Now, I don't think I'd have to preach all night to let you understand that the devil ain't coming. The devil's here. Brother Bram said, let me be Paul Revere to you. He's not coming. He's here. So the prophet was announcing the presence of Satan. Now, if the Bible said when the enemy comes like a flood, not if, but when, he said then God will raise a standard. So if we see the enemy has put forth his move, then God puts forth his move. And God's move upon the church was to send an anointing to combat the anointing of this evil age. And just as the lion come in to combat that white horse rider, remember? And then that ox came in to, to, to combat against that red horse rider. And then we seen the face of a man who was going to combat that black horse rider. But that last ride of the enemy is going to be a confusion. And it's going to be confusing everybody about who they are, where they're going, what they belong to. Amen. Even their genders will start getting confused. Amen. Everything starts a confusion over. But God said, I'll raise a standard against that confusion. And the standard that he raises is the eagle anointing. So the anointing that comes upon the bride is the anointing of the eagle, which is the prophetic word. It's revelation. When God wanted you to be able to combat confusion, he said, I'll give you revelation. And supreme authority rests in revelation. That's why the devil is against the revelation of the word in its season. That's where your authority comes is in revelation. It is supreme authority that comes from the West. Is that right? Isaiah 59 says, So they that fear the name of the Lord from the West, and from the glory of the rising of the sun, when the enemy shall come like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise a standard against him. Amen. There wasn't even a West when Isaiah wrote that. But he said that when the devil comes like a flood and the prophet identified that as the day we are living in, when Isaiah prophesied that, there wasn't a Western civilization. Amen. But Isaiah, through inspiration, knew something was coming out of the West. Amen. And God would bring a chief authority out of the West. The seals would be opened in the West. And it would go from the West into the rising of the sun. And this generation would find that God has gave them an authority over every demon, over every power, over every education, over every intellectual ability. The eagle anointing has rested upon you because we're not going to stay down here and with these devils we're going to lift up our wings and fly above these things I tell you something, young people. Amen. I tell you, as an eagle to an eagle, that when things really get, get, get struggling and heavy, amen, you have got an ability to fly higher than any other bird. So when it looks like you're not going to be able to hold on or take care of the situation, set your wings into the, into the inspiration of this word and let it lift you far above. 
the situations that you're in. Now, of course, he said that this would come from the West and the Spirit of the Lord should raise a standard against him. In other words, when the enemy comes, God will open the Word. God will open the Word and a chief authority will come from the West. And the Bible said the Redeemer shall come to Zion. Zion is the bride. The Redeemer is Christ. Christ will come to His bride when the enemy comes like a flood. Thus saith the Lord. Amen. This is going to happen. God's going to make a covenant with the church. I'm in Isaiah 59. The very next verse says, Arise and shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon thee. For darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen in thee. Isn't it something in the middle of the darkness? God has promised that a light is going to rest upon this bride. That she would have a dominion in the time of darkness. I think it's a powerful thing when a prophet would stand here with that kind of authority, under that kind of inspiration, with the book completely opened. We sure appreciated that sermon this morning, Brother David. Amen. He labored a while to teach you on the opening of that book. Amen. And in doing so, when that book was open, it revealed the authority that would be given to the bride. You would, you would think that someday somebody's going to find you out, right? And, the, and all this is going to be taken away from you. You keep waiting for the other shoe to drop like something's going to go wrong. And you're going to find out you're really not as important as you think you are according to Scripture. But when the book is open, God has made a discovery of everything in His mind. that's been revealed to the church. And there is nothing between you and God. This Word has gave a complete revelation. And under this revelation, the prophet of God said, you're the final voice. To the final age. That the voice is in the bride. Uh, you say preacher. You're talking about me being the voice. Brother Bam says when you're out of Babylon. When you're out from belief, unbelief. When you're out from under superstition. When you're out from under these things. And you're filled with God's own life. Your voice is his voice. Your voice is his voice. What is it? It's the revelation that combats it and brings a clarity to your, to your existence. That, of course, this prophet, amen, has anointed this bride. We have had an Elijah stand in this age and place an anointing upon us by the spoken word. Amen. You've looked in the Bible and you saw men who were anointed. You saw men who were nothing and became kings because of what prophets spoke over them. You see men who were completely nothing until a prophet spoke over them and anointed with a horn of oil and they became the voice of God as a king and given authority in their kingdoms. And just as God done it in the Bible, he has brought the spirit of Elijah into this age and has anointed this children of God in this generation that they might be the kings of God in this time. Now the prophet of God said, of course, it was the anointed man. Now it's the anointed people. It was the anointed man. Now the anointed people. To bring back the anointed bride and bridegroom. Anointed by why? Accepting what Eve turned down. Amen. Amen. Coming back with the anointing of the word. Because he said, my word, it is spirit. See, anointed with the word. What Eve turned down, 
He comes back and we accept it. If Eve would have knew what would happen by turning it down, would she have ever turned it down? But we are standing and seeing what happened when someone turned it down. And we have been given the position in this age to accept what she turned down in that time. What put her out of perfection is putting us back into perfection. She left perfection under an uncondi- under a conditional covenant, but we were in imperfection with an unconditional covenant, and God gave it back to us, and now we are headed back to the Garden of Eden by eating on the same tree of life that she could have fed on then, but we're feeding on now, and it has anointed us in this generation. Anointing matters, young people. Anointing matters. It matters who anoints you. It matters what you're under. It matters what kind of ministry you're under. It matters what kind of church you go to. It matters what kind of pastor you're under. It matters what kind of teacher you're under. Come on now. Amen. If you're under some denominational Baptist mentality, amen, they have got control of your destiny because you are accepting the word the way they see it. And God has sent the word the way he sees it. And there's a bride here tonight that says, Lord, we are turning down every other voice. And we are coming out of superstition. We are coming out of fear. We are coming out of every denominational idea. And we are positioning ourselves under the divine authority of a prophetic word in the last days. That anointing has come upon this bride. Now, I want to say something to you tonight. And it may be a shock factor, but I just want to get it out here. There is no age limit on this anointing. Don't tell me that I've got to be 50 year old before you're anointed. Don't tell me this anointing cannot rest upon this generation of young people the same as it rests upon a generation of old people. I don't believe there's an age limit on this. You say, but Brother Wayne, wouldn't they need to be more mature? God gave a kingly anointing to a boy named Josiah when he was only eight years old. And because he was anointed of the Lord, his word in the Bible was already prophetic. And he opened the scripture and found out what he was to do according to the anointing that was upon his life. Amen. And if God has anointed you as a part of this bride body, this word holds the counsel of what your actions are going to be. And the Bible said the people that know their God, they shall be strong and they shall do exploits because there's an anointing upon them they will put this devil to rest they will drop him like a tree because the power of God is going to rest in this bride hallelujah an anointing matters you do not have to be old to have an anointing come on you don't have to be a smartest person in the building to have an anointing God poured this anointing out upon you by a prophetic message I'll tell you this, something follows this message. You may think they're empty words. The critic may think they're empty words. But when a prophet anointed you as the bride body of Jesus Christ, the pillar of fire followed his words. 
You know I'm telling you the truth. The pillar of fire never moved in the beginning until God spoke a word. And then the pillar of fire came to manifest the word that had been spoken. And there was something follows this message. It matters. Anointing matters. I just read to you from the book of Isaiah, the 10th chapter, the 27th verse, when Isaiah is talking to a king of Judah, and he's trying to explain to him what the anointing means to Judah. How many knows the story I'm discussing? I don't know how deep to get into it. Amen. But this story is about whenever... Now, you all know Israel was Jacob, right? Had his name changed to Israel. And then Israel had 12 sons. Those 12 sons become the 12 tribes of Israel. So Israel was a nation. Israel was a people. Now, one of those tribes was Judah, who we've been preaching about. And Judah was the place where David set up his kingdom. And there Jerusalem was with the tabernacle of Solomon and the, and the Ark of the Covenant rested there in Jerusalem. After Solomon's reign... There was a division in the people and they divided. And two of the tribes stayed there in Jerusalem. Amen. With Judah, two tribes stayed together. So when you read in the scripture and he said he was a king of Judah, it meant he was a king of them two tribes of the twelve. And then there was another king over Israel, which were ten tribes. So there were two and ten and they were divided. Right? Now the scripture teaches us, amen, that in the book of Isaiah is when the Assyrians were raised up by God, which is the Assyrians were before Babylon. And the Assyrian, y'all read about Assyria in your, in your history books. It was a great, it was a great world uh, power. And Assyria raised up and the scripture tells us that Israel went into idolatry and every time the children of Israel went into idolatry, God allowed a kingdom to rise up and to smash them. And God had allowed, in the book of Isaiah, he had allowed the Assyrian army to rise up in power. And they had invaded Israel, the ten tribes. They had invaded them and had carried them away. Now, you've heard sometimes you hear in the in the talking, you hear people say, the lost ten tribes of Israel. You ever hear them say that? The lost tribes of Israel. Well, the lost tribes of Israel was the ones that were carried into Assyria. And later Assyria was overcame by Babylon, but the tribes never restored like Judah did under Nehemiah and Ezra. Amen. So, so Israel was being carried away and Assyria had raised up and it had become a mighty army and it had destroyed, it had destroyed Israel like they had no God. It had just overrun them. I mean, it just done away with them. And the king of Judah was worried. Because this Assyrian army was so powerful, amen, that they were taking over everything and everybody, amen. So this, this Assyrian king, because of his victories over Israel, began to believe that he was more powerful than all the gods of the earth. He had overcome all the idols and then he had overcome Israel and he believed that he was greater than the God of Israel because he had overcome Israel. But God had only allowed him to overcome, to punish them for their idolatry. And he got lifted up in arrogance and began to believe because I whipped Israel, I can just move over into Judah and do the same thing in Judah that I did in Israel. And this Judah, this Judah king comes to Isaiah and he's very worried. And Isaiah says to him, he said, look, 
He said, listen, this Assyrian can do what he wants, where he wants. But when it comes to Judah, there's an anointing on you. He said, look, he can't do anything he wants anywhere he wants to. He can only do what God allows him. Come on, that sounds a lot like the devil in the last days. He's going around like a roaring lion. Amen. And he's devouring everything in his path. But that arrogant devil, don't he ever think that just because he took down somebody that he can take down anybody. Because there's some people that have an anointing upon them and a prophet has spoke over them. And because of that anointing, it will break every yoke of the Assyrians off of the children of God. Now, I'll tell you what, you talk about, now Isaiah's a vindicated prophet. You talk about comforting a man. Here he is looking at a war with Assyria. And in the 26th verse, go above where we're reading, Isaiah 10 and 26. And the Bible said, and the Lord of hosts shall stir up a scourge for him, the king of Assyria, according to the slaughter of the Medians at the rock of Oreb and of the rod that was upon the sea, so he lifted up in the manner of Egypt. Now God is telling the king of Judah, look, this Assyrian's coming after you, but I'm going to make him like a bathing Midianites in the days of Gideon. Can you imagine a man that knew the story of Gideon from the book of Judges and a vindicated prophet is telling him, your enemy is going to be like the Midianites were to Gideon. You, you talk about courage, brother. You talk about courage. Come, because every Israelite knew exactly what happened to the Midianites in the days of Gideon. Now this when he says the rock of Oreb. How many ever studied the rock of Oreb? What actually happens is Gideon calls together everybody. Remember, he calls together all the tribes and God says there are too many. So he said, any of you fearful people go home. Amen. And he began to cut them away till he got his powerful 300 that was going to defeat the media. But evidently there were some of these, amen, some of these uh, men of God that they didn't get offended and go all the way home. But they went somewhere and waited that maybe they could be used of the Lord. And the scripture teaches that after the battle of the Midianites, they began to run. And Gideon saw that they were going to rejoin themselves. And he called for the Ephraimites to come and help him. Now, look, what happened was there were two leaders who was there among the Midianites that were running. And when the Israelite men saw what was happening, they began to take chase. Now, they wasn't a part of that original battle because God didn't let them be. But they didn't get offended because they wasn't a part of it. They were just waiting for their opportunity. And I'll tell you, maybe some of you like that tonight. Maybe you maybe you come into this message late. Maybe you haven't been here the whole time. But when you see God put a devil on the run, amen, something rises up in you. And it makes you want to go after that devil. And the scripture says these leaders went over and hid. One of them hid behind this rock we know as the rock of Oreb, but his name was Oreb. And when he hid behind the rock, amen, they slayed the leader of the Midianite on the rock of Oreb. That later, men of God could go by walking this rock. And they say, there's where the Midianite leaders were killed, was right there at that rock. Isaiah, 100 years later, is telling them, this Assyrian shall be like the leader of the Midianite that died in the shelter of a rock. In other words, when God becomes the enemy of your enemy, they can't hide. Brother, they can't hide. That's not a rock big enough to hide the devil if God gets ready to destroy him. 
preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying the other one of those leaders went to a wine press. God has a bit of sense of humor. The Midianite ran to the wine press and hid from Gideon. Isn't that backwards? When God found Gideon, Gideon was hiding at the wine press. He was hiding. Amen. And now God has got the leaders of them that were persecuting him hiding behind the wine press. When God is so... You said, preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. The shelter become a slaughterhouse. I tell you what, there's no hiding place for the devil, brother. There may have been a time you hid from him, but that devil is hiding from the light of Almighty God tonight because he knows that whenever God becomes the enemy of the devil, he has no authority and no power. And they took and slew this, they took and slew these Midianites on these rocks. And years later, God is telling them, your Assyrian enemies are not going to overcome Judah, but rather they're going to be slain at the rock of Oreb. Now think about this. He said because of the anointing. Because of this anointing, look what happens. The scripture says they'll become like when God lifted up the rod against Egypt. (laughs) Can you imagine standing there as a king wondering what's about to happen to your country when all the other countries are falling to this spirit? And all of a sudden a prophet is prophesying over you. And he's saying you cannot fail. Little bride you cannot commit adultery. God has already pregnated you. A word has already been spoke over you. There's not 200,000 thousand demons that can destroy you. For God will make this devil like he made him at the Red Sea when Moses lifted up his rod. And he parted open the water and the devil thought, I can chase him right into the Red Sea. I tell you, that devil's made a few mistakes in his life and that was one of them. He sent his entire army after what looked like a bunch of weak people who were in the worst place in their life. And that devil has done you the same way. And when you're trying to get a deliverance, he'll follow you all the way to the house of God. But God will open up the blood and you start going into that blood. And the devil said, I'll go in there and get him. Well, I got news for the devil. You can't go into the blood and get a child of God. God will destroy the devil in the sea. He lifted up his rod and the demons died in the sea. And God said, I'll make these Assyrians just like that. Let me tell you, hey man, that devil has got you thinking you got to run, but it's the other way around, brother. God said, your enemy will be my enemy. And your adversary will be my adversary. And you think you've seen something. When you've seen God in the work of healing and the work of power. But you ain't never seen anything. Till you see my God take up a sword and begin to war. You see what it is? It's a slaughter of the Midianites. Now, 2 Kings chapter 19 gives another description of this same battle. Same thing. And the Lord begins to use a prophecy. He said, therefore, thus saith the Lord concerning the king of Assyria. He shall not come into this city, nor shall he shoot an arrow in there, nor come before it with a shield, nor cast a bank against it. Ooh, brother. 
Brother Michael, can you imagine a vindicated prophet saying that not an arrow will fall in your camp? God will knock them out of the sky. What's he saying? He's saying, see, he won't shoot an arrow, never come before it with shield, nor cast a bank against it. By the way that he came, by the same shall he return. He shall not come into this city, saith the Lord. Now, Assyria is building up its... Y'all know, at this very moment, Assyria has 185,000 warriors within walking distance of the city of Jerusalem. He's got 185,000 soldiers trained, ready to march on God's anointed city. They're prepared. They're ready. They've ate. they drank. They've got their swords sharpened. they got their plans made. they got their horses fed. they got their chariots mounted. They're ready to destroy this little group of people who they don't think are worth the dirt that they're birthed out of. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying, but when God looked at them, He said, they'll not march into this city. The arrows will not fall into this city. Now people, amen. He said, I will defend this city for my own sake and for David's sake. It shall come to pass this night that the angel of the Lord went out and he smote in the camp of the Assyrians a hundred, four score, and five thousand. When they rose early in the morning, they were all Dead corpse. A hundred and eighty-five thousand woke up dead. I guess that's where they get that term. A hundred and eighty-five thousand of them died that night. Israel didn't have to do nothing. Judah didn't have to fight nothing. The anointing was doing the fighting. The anointing was, it wasn't what they could do. It wasn't how smart they were. It wasn't how mighty they were. It was the anointing of God that was upon them. Let me say something to you now. Your protection is not your intellect. Your protection is not your music. Your protection is God himself is defending this bride because a prophet has spoke over you. It's a power. It's an anointing. And the devil cannot do anything about it. He can rage. He can buffalo. He can scream. He can push. But not an arrow will fall. My God fights for me. Brother, if I was a singer, y'all had to catch me right now. Hallelujah. Because of David. That's what he said because of David. These people are way past David. David is in the grave, folks. But because of David. You see what's so special about David? I'll tell you what was special. A prophet stood over him. And poured a horn of oil over him. And what nobody respected, God respected. God respected what happened in that little room. God respected what happened down there in Jesse's house. God 
respected that Nathan or Samuel spoke them words over a little boy who was nobody. But when the prophet spoke over him, he poured a horn of oil over him. I've said it many times. He didn't pour half of that horn. He didn't pour five seals of that horn. But he anointed him with all seven seals, brother. He shook out the horn. Thou hast been anointed by the horn of salvation. The word has opened up over your life. When God poured this anointing out upon you, He poured the anointing of the greatest words that have ever been spoken in the history of mankind. And because of that anointing, because of that anointing, you said, well, the anointing isn't very powerful. Is it not? Is it not that all these years later is protecting these men? It's protecting this city because God spoke over David and anointed him by a prophet. Amen. That is the mystery of David's great battles. How many knows Brother Bram discovers this and take, brings it out to us and brings this little boy David and he says, it's the reason he didn't care to fight with Goliath. Why was not David fearful of Goliath? Why did he not want Saul's armor? Well, I'll tell you one. If I, I mean, I'm just a dumb hillbilly, but it makes sense to me. If Saul didn't want to fight a giant wearing it, why would David? If this don't protect Saul, why would it protect me? But David knew his protection was greater than any armor of Saul. It was greater than a slingshot. It was greater than the entire army. He had had a prophet speak over him. Hear me tonight. The anointing on you is greater than how you feel. It's greater than what's happening around you in this world. A prophet has spoke over you. Not the empty words of a man. This is the power of God that created the heavens and earth and said, You are my anointed. Oh, I wish I had some ability. But I'll say this the devil couldn't kill David because God anointed him. And let me say this the devil will never take you out till God's done with you. He can threaten you all he wants. He'll never take you till God's done with you. I'm preaching to you tonight. We all got a good friend named Ron Spencer. He proved it. Ron's proved this to be the truth. They told him a long time ago, you're going to go. But you know what? He didn't go. You know why? Because God's not done with him. Preacher, what are you talking about? Before all this started, when it first happened, he looked at me in a real private place. We were just together. He said, Brother Wayne, God has spoke directly to me. And he said he told me if I would trust him, he would use me like never before. And about a year ago, he was down there just after this camp. He was down to visit us in October, I believe it was. Amen. And he was sitting there riding in the truck. And he looked over at me and he said, Brother Wayne, God told me. I remembered what he told me. I said, Brother Ron, don't take it wrong. But this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. I said, God has used you, Brother Ron, greater than he ever has in the history of your life. You're speaking to more people. You're encouraging more people. More people are listening to the message than ever before. People are Taking courage more than they ever before. Listen, Brother Ron's a sick man, but he's not under the dominion of sickness. He's teaching you young people. Just because you got a problem don't mean the problem's got you. And because of the anointing. 
19. Problems will come and problems will go, but we shall remain and stand forever because God has made us to stand in this age. He said the devil's raging. I tell you, the devil's going to die, brother. You can't kill a believer. Hallelujah. No weapon formed against you. This is David's anointing. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Every tongue that shall rise against thee. Shall God condemn in judgment. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and the righteousness of me, saith the Lord. A thousand, David said, shall fall at thy side and ten at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. That old threatening devil. Listen, I want to, I want to, I believe I come all the way to Washington State to say something to you tonight. The devil is defeated. because you're awesome not because of your singing not because of your intellect not because of your good looks buddy amen that's not why the devil's scared of you come on church it's because a prophet has spoke over you so well is the devil scared of you no sir he ain't scared of me and he ain't scared of you he's scared of the one I represent come on I was asking Brother Brown today in type. I I just queried it and asked, what is the devil scared of? He said, he's scared of the one you represent. Come on. It's written in the message already. The devil is scared of the light of this age. He's a beast. And it was the light of God that came in the den with Daniel that the lions could not touch him because the light that was with him. Let me tell you, amen, the pillar of fire is with this bride. The devil's not scared of you, but he's scared of this message. He said, preacher, what are you saying? I say, I think, I, I think it's time that you quit letting the darkness push you. I think it's time that you quit backing up every time the darkness says, well, I'm not sure if a message is right. I'm not sure if that brother Branham told that. I'm not sure about this. And I, listen, I don't care what you're not sure about. I'm sure of this one thing. God sent this message. And God anointed me by this message. And I've seen this message bring down the demons from every part of the world at the name of Jesus Christ. Every, every demon will have to bow. And it's time for this bride to quit running from the devil. You are the light of this age. It's time for you to go to pushing back a little bit. You know, after a while, after a while, man gets tired of being shoved. And sooner or later, you're going to have to get tired of being shoved and shoved back. See, we know this. We know David was elected. We know David was anointed. David was a positioned man. So God was anointed him and his life was upon him. Now when you look in the scriptures, you can see, amen, that this word of this prophet cannot return void. But it must accomplish 
that what it was sent out to do. I don't have a better way to say that when Isaiah prophesied and said a virgin shall conceive. He was literally taking Genesis 3, which God had spoken in the garden. And he replaced it to be a virgin womb. It was a woman's seed, and then it became a virgin womb. And 712 years, that prophesied word circled the earth looking for flesh. Because the word spoken by a prophet could not return back to God until it became flesh. And Isaiah went into the flesh of Mary. And it landed in the womb of a virgin and became Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, I come from God. I'm Isaiah 7. I'm Genesis 3. I came, I proceeded out of the mouth of God. So I'm going back to God. Now come on. This prophet prophesied over this generation. And he said there'll be a virgin bride, a royal seed bride, a perfect bride, an invincible army. That word cannot return to God. Though it circled the earth for the last 50 years looking for somebody. But tonight it is not wandering around any further. There has been a generation that said, Be it unto me according to thy word. And that word is coming to the bride. And she's standing here tonight saying, I come from God. And I'm going back to God. And there's not enough devils to stop me from returning to where I came from. I came out of a prophet's prophecy. And I'm returning in the flesh back to the God who followed me before a prophet spoke me. Come on, church. You are the literal spoken word seed bride. What a prophet said. Somebody said, well, that's a youth meeting. That's right. And there's some young people here that knows exactly what I'm saying. There are words floating in this universe right now that is taking young hearts. They're picking up machine guns and killing their families. And they're killing school workers. Amen. And they're turning on one another because it's an attitude of an atmosphere and an anointing that's coming out of the television and out of the radio, which is coming out of the fifth dimension. Amen. But there's another prophecy coming from another dimension. And just as radical as the young people are for the devil. There's another group of young people. And they're radical for the things of God. We're not satisfied with church no more. We're tired of church. We're tired of traditions. We're tired of just a bunch of doctrine. Just a bunch of dead letters. Just a bunch of people sitting around arguing about the money. And who's going to lead? Forget all of it. We've got a prophet of God. And it spoke over this generation. And the anointing of God is resting upon us. Forget it all. an anointing here tonight there's an anointing upon your life and it's claiming consuming taking over your life now 
It's anointing. It's spoke of by a prophet. In the book of Luke, the fourth chapter. When our Lord Jesus came to the earth. He looked in the book of Isaiah. 66 chapters. 66 books. He picked the only prophet that had the entire Bible already written. And he found the place that spoke of him. Now look what he found that place. Look what he did. He found the place which speaks of him. And he and he simply says that were delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. And the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captive, recovering the sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and gave it again to the minister, set down the eyes of them were upon the synagogue, fastened on him, and they began to say unto him, he began to say unto them this day, the scripture is fulfilled in your ears. And they threw him out headlong. They really did. <laughs> You know why they didn't throw him out feet first? He wasn't mad at his feet. He was upset at his headship. Didn't like the way he thought about Scripture. They're throwing his mind out. See, when God identifies Scripture and anointing to a certain place, the devil don't like that. You know the devil knew Jesus was anointed. And challenged him on the anointing. I, this is free right here. But if you like to study your scripture. Go back just before this section. And this is where the devil takes him on a high mountain. And challenges him. And said that if you are the son of God do this. If you're the son of God do this. If you're the son of God do this. Well Jesus didn't do anything he said. And brother Bram said he actually. Because he wouldn't bake bread for the devil. The devil said make the stone into bread. See when the word is fulfilled it's bread. He wouldn't use his anointing to make bread for the devil. In other words, he was saying, I'm not going to impress you. Go down here and empty all the hospitals if you're really the bride. I'm not here to impress you. I'm not here to prove myself to you. I don't mean that arrogantly. I mean that to the devil. I have nothing to talk about it with the devil. Somebody said to Brother Branham, they said, Brother Branham, if this, if this divine healing is true, go out here in the graveyard and raise all the dead. Go down to the hospital and heal all the sick. He said, do you believe in divine salvation, brother? Do you believe God's a Savior? He said, yeah. He said, go to the bar room, save all the bar people. So is he not a Savior because everybody in the bar didn't get saved? You see how the devil uses things. And Jesus wouldn't come under him. Because he knew who he was without the approval of the devil. Because Isaiah said who he was. He knew who he was by scripture. And the spirit of the Lord had anointed him. And John bore record seeing this happen. John, Brother Branham said, seeing the pillar of fire descend upon Jesus. And the scripture said, John bore record that it was the Lamb of God. Because the anointing rested upon him. How many realize the anointing didn't come and go from Jesus? The anointing didn't come on him and leave him. The Bible said it rested upon him. 
Now I'm going to tell you something. You are different than the Pentecostals. The anointing comes and goes. Comes and goes. But to the bride of Jesus Christ. The anointing that says who you are. Doesn't come and go. But it abideth with you. Even in you. Where you by you are sealed. Unto the day of your redemption. Feel good, feel bad, feel good, feel bad has nothing to do with your anointing. Do you see what it is? John bore record seeing this and he's seeing that this was the very thing that God had prophesied. Now, when we look at this, we see, amen, I'm going to have to skip through a bunch, sorry. Amen, but we see that John bore record of this and saw the glory of God rest upon on Jesus. Now, the thing is, is this anointing that was upon him was the anointing of the pillar of fire. How many knows that we have a picture of that same pillar of fire today? It is the same pillar of fire that anointed Jesus Christ is actually here today. That same pillar of fire has been seen in this generation and if, you, uh, if you're missing some quotes later, you can get a hold of me. I'm just going to run out of time before I run out of Scripture. So I, I, I'm going to, I'll just quote some things to you. If you need the quotes, let me know. I'll give them to you. Amen. But what we're looking at is, is the anointing that is poured out here in Luke 4. Amen. Is identified by John as being the Spirit of God that rests upon Jesus. Now this pillar of fire, amen, is the very same thing that has visited this generation. Has come upon us and we've been able to see it. Now, when you look at it in the scripture, the Bible says that Moses, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater than the riches of Israel, had respect and recompense under the war. Reward. When Moses, Hebrews eleven twenty six, esteemed the reproach of Christ greater. Now, Jesus was not human in the days of Moses. But he esteemed the reproach of Christ, which Christ means anointed. Right? So the anointing is what Moses had meant that he esteemed greater. It's what he meant in the, in the burning bush. The anointing, Christ, is what led Moses to go back down into Egypt and lead them people from Egypt under the promised land. It was the anointing that caused him to do that. It was Christ. Now, in the book of Exodus, if you want to pull it, Exodus 23, amen, and verse 20, Amen. The, the prophet, Brother Branham does it in the pillar of fire in Jonesboro, Arkansas. And he, he lets us identify what Moses was told of the Lord. Exodus 23 and 20. He said, Behold, I have sinned my angel before thee to keep thee in the way, to bring thee into the place where I have prepared. Now watch who that angel is. Beware of him, obey his voice, provoke him not, for he will not pardon your transgression. My name is in him. But if thou will indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, I will be an enemy to thine enemy and an adversary to thine adversary. For mine angel shall go before thee. Now, Brother Bam said, let's see what the angel looked like. How many would like to know what the angel that looked like that was in front of Moses? In Exodus 13 and 21 and 22, the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud, and he led them by a pillar in a cloud and by night a pillar of fire to give them light. 
It was the angel was the pillar of fire. Can we pull that picture up? Amen. The prophet of God has uh, gave us this. God gave us this picture right here that we're looking at, taken in Sam Houston Coliseum. Amen. It was taken before a whole group of people. Now, what you're actually looking at in that picture is we don't have it because of the man William Branham. A lot of people wonder why we talk about this picture a lot. And I'm just going to explain it to you real quickly in case you're new here. We don't have this picture in our church because of Brother Branham. It's that one that's above his head right there. That pillar of fire that you're looking at is what we just read about in Exodus, the 20th chapter. In Exodus, the 13th chapter, it is the angel of the Lord, the pillar of fire that led two million people out of bondage and took them in to a promised land. Can you imagine that one thing done all of that? Amen. That pillar of fire you're looking at right there was taken a photograph by our critics. We didn't take that picture, Brother Tim. We didn't take that picture and tell everybody what we got a picture of. Our critics came to make fun of Brother Bosworth in Sam Houston Coliseum debating about divine healing. And he took a stand for divine healing. And a prophet of God was in the congregation. And God brought him down and stood him in the pulpit. And Brother Bam said they were calling me everything. And he said, I said, if you call me a healer, it's not true. I preach divine healing, but I'm no healer. Jesus is the healer. He said, but I've told you about that angel. And he said, if you don't believe me, you're not going to have to wonder anymore because here he comes right now. And that pillar of fire came down and they got a picture of it. And the men that were hired to destroy the reputation of William Branham, amen, only got one photograph to come out clear. And it was that photograph right there. And every critic in the nation trying to take that photograph down out of our churches and away from us. You know why? Because they cannot They cannot in any way disprove that that is a scientifically proven supernatural photograph that God give this generation that you and I would have a picture of the very thing that Paul saw on the road to Damascus. You are not delivering yourself. The one that delivered the entire nation of Egypt of Israel out of Egypt is here to deliver this bride out of the bondage of denomination out of the bondage of sin out of the bondage of the every yoke that could come upon the church that light you're looking at right there is none other than the very veil of Jesus Christ himself the invisible God has given you a visible image of what happened in the book of Genesis when the Bible said in the beginning God said let there be light come on church the very first words God ever said was said let there be light because there was a need for light you know the need there was seeds laying under the water that was laying in darkness but the light was going to come and the light would speak to the seed and it would command them come out of the darkness and it would deliver them of the darkness and bring them into what God 
That same pillar of light was the one that God created the heavens and the earth with. Oh, think about it. The God that created the first world has come in this generation and used the mouth of a man to create another squirrel to prove to you and I that the same God that created the earth is the same God that came in the end time who spoke over our lives. So that's just a picture, Brother Wayne. Brother Bram tells about a woman who's laid in a hospital bed. He's got that picture sitting on her end table. She's laying there sick. She's wishing to God that she could somehow get in one of the meetings. And while she's praying, amen, she, her testimony is the light came off of that picture. And come over the woman's bed. And she was instantly healed. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. A prophet of God said demons come come out of a television. And demons coming out of coming out of websites. Come on, there's people opened up this disbelief of sign nonsense. And demons of unbelief have raided their homes. Well, if demons can come through pictures, and demons can come through voices, and demons can come through, what about the creative logos of Almighty God? Hanging in your homes. Hanging in your churches. Hanging in your bedrooms. Let the light that's on the picture come to a reality in this building right now. I salute the return of the pillar of fire in my generation. Headship is here. The anointing is here. The authority is here. Because of the anointing. So, Brother Wayne, what does that really matter to me as a, as a young man or an individual? I'll tell you, one day Peter was a believer. Wasn't he a Peter a believer? And they took him in and put him in a prison. They put him in the dark place in the prison. They, they hid him way back, a couple gates back there. And they took his shoes and his garments. And they chained him up. But the prophet of God said this same light that's in this picture. It went through the bars. And it went into the darkness after that believer. The devil can't hide you from this light. The devil can't hide a believer. Amen. They used to say to me, the devil's going to get you. Let me tell you, young people, if you're running from God, Jesus is going to get you. The Spirit of God will find you wherever you are. If you're on a bar stool, if you're in some kind of situation, the Spirit of the God will come right into your bedroom. He'll come right where you are. It'll come right in a tent meeting in the middle of a summer night and whirl into that tent meeting and find you in the recesses of your darkened mind of unbelief. You know what happened? That pillar of light went over there and began to smite Peter on the side. Hey, I'm here. Hey, I'm here. Had to wake him up. Had to make him recognize, hey, hey amen, things are changing in the prison house. Things are changing in your life. I know it looks unchangeable. I know you think you're in an impossible situation. But the one who can change everything has stepped into an unchangeable situation. And the Bible said the chains fell away from him. Brother Bram said it. He said, look, he said, uh, the Bible says it like this. I love how the Bible's written. It says that the angel... Begin to lead him out. 
begin to lead him out. And when they come to a certain place, the angel stopped and made him gird himself, put his shoes on, and put on his cloak. Preacher, what are you talking about? The same one in the days of Moses. That when the children of Israel were getting ready to leave, he said, gird your loins, put your shoes on your feet, put your staff in your hand, because I'm going to lead you out of this situation. And I'll tell you something tonight, there's been a God that has come and dressed this bride and shod her feet. He's put a cloth upon your back and he's leading you out of the darkness of this said he said that Peter got so caught up in the anointing he didn't even know if it was real or not he said you say that it don't matter about getting under the power of God he said Peter was so much under the power of God he said he was completely delivered before he ever realized it was real what it tells me is when the anointing comes you get under that anointing and begin to praise God and the liberty that comes to your life you may not even know it's happening but God is delivering you in that very moment in your life. You see what it is that, that light we're looking at right there? It's the creative logos of God. It's the pillar of fire. It's the one that came to Paul. It's the one that came to Moses. It's the same one that is promised in the Bible to be with us. He is Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is here to lead this bride under an anointing to every divine promise that we have been given of God. That pillar of fire is not under that prophet's arm. That pillar of fire is not, amen, under his feet. That pillar of fire is above his head. When one is under authority, he speaks with authority. There's a bride who has stepped under the anointing of a prophet. Now as stepping under this anointing, this is the same anointing that was anointing Christ. In the book of Acts, the second chapter, this is recorded. It said that when the Holy Ghost began to come into the room, it was a sound as a mighty rushing wind. Brother Branham actually goes into it a bit. It was sounded like a mighty rushing wind. It came into the whole house and filled them that were sitting there. 120 of them were filled with the Holy Ghost. Do you know what the prophet says? He said, see, they were, they were overcome by cloven tongues of fire. He said that meant they wasn't speaking in tongues. They were filled with fire. That pillar of fire divided itself and rested in their hearts. 120 of them. God, amen, who had been that great pillar of fire that had been over Israel. That had been in Jesus Christ. Now it had stepped into the believer to sit on the throne of the heart. Do you see what it is? It was a lick of fire. It was the anointing of God. Amen. That come. You know it's like you're coming here tonight. You're coming here tonight. The prophet of God said you're not a divided people. You know each one of you is holding a part of God. Each one of you is holding a part of God. I picked up something from Brother Ed one time. He was preaching. He was preaching about lasers. And he said there was a bunch of scientists that y'all, y'all probably remember, you that know, know. But he said, you know, he said, uh, he said they was trying to create the same power of the atom bombs of Hiroshima 
He said in doing so, they were trying to do it with the power of the sun. And they, they decided if they took 193 laser beams. Y'all know the story I'm talking about? 193 laser beams and said if you focus all 193 on one spot, that it would give the same energy as Hiroshima had in one bomb. And, and Brother Ed took it like this. He said, see, if you take 193 parts, any one of those parts are powerful. But 193 focused on one thing became the power of an item bomb. Now, I don't know how many of you exactly is here tonight. But the prophet of God said, he said, each one of you are packing the pillar of fire. And he said, wherever two or three of us are gathered in his name. With each one of us packing a pillar of fire, he said, when we come together, it's the pillar of fire coming back together. If one of you has some power, 50 of you have more power. If we could get a hundred of you. Come on, Brother Bam said, you give me these men and we'll do more in this generation than they've done in 2,000 years of the church. You give me a hundred young men who focus their heart on this message and we'll pull the kingdom of hell right out of this earth. If you'll focus tonight, if you'll focus on the things of God, if you'll focus on this message, each one of you are light beams. And you begin to collect that energy together. A prophet of God said, each one of you are focused. You separated himself in the pillar of fire and divided himself among you wherever two or three are gathered in my name. He said, what is it? When a little fire here, a little fire there, each one of you a part of God. When you come together, it's Christ uniting. <laughs> you talk about a gathering that scares the devil, brother. Pillars of Can you imagine seeing the invisible realm? And here in a world of darkness, you see one little bit of light out here just tweaking around and walking. And the devils are following because they know this one light's powerful. He's mean. He's, he's tough to deal with. He takes dominion wherever he goes. But then all of a sudden you see this light coming. You see one or two coming from India. And, hey man, you see one, one or two coming over from Alberta. You see a couple coming from Ohio. And you see some coming from down in the states. And then some from up north. And some, and all of a sudden the demons are watching. Something's happening. They're all gathering down there in that one little spot. Listen, I know something about blazes and fires. You can start a, you, you can start a, anybody ever clearing timber? You can clear ground. You can take a dozer and clear 10 acres of ground. Pile all the timber up. And you can, you can set all of it on fire at the same time. You know it won't burn? It won't burn. It won't catch. You can, you can put a hundred gallons of diesel on it and it won't burn. It'll burn a little bit and go right out. But if you tighten them logs up and you get you one hot spot, just get you one place that's really burning hot, that from that spot, you will burn up the entire thing. Listen to me. God has brought a hot spot to Mount Baker. And he's gathering this pillar of fire out of France and out of Switzerland, out of Europe and all over the world and gather them together. I'll tell you what is happening. There's a hot spot and there's a fire that's burning in the building tonight. Brother Tim, I don't think I'm going to pull off to myself. I think I'd get into the fire. I ain't got time to preach on all that tonight, but I'll tell you, it's a powerful thing. When you get close to this and get among the other believers, that's why you join together. 
can I, can I just, can I, can I help you young people? Don't you ever stay home from church. I don't care what anybody says. Don't you stay home from church. When the church doors open, you get there. Amen. You get there. However, so, oh God, it's going to get me in trouble for sure. Hey, I, I'll just say this. Let me just put it out there very clearly. If you want to be an overcomer in this age, you're going to have to get yourself in with other believers. And you're going to have to get under ministry that believes this message and preaches this anointing. Because this is the only anointing that's going to take you in the rapture. A lot of good ministries in this earth, but they're tribulation ministries. They will still be preaching when this rapture goes. But there is anointed men of God that have been anointed to stay under a prophetic office. And evangelists and teachers and apostles and prophets and minor prophets and pastors. But they come under a prophet's anointing and say what a prophet said. Which is going to clean you up. It's going to cut the devils off of you. It's going to trim the invisible things that hangs on your life. Listen, how can a man of God love somebody and let them live in darkness and let them carry spirits around and not ever say nothing to them? I tell you what, man don't love you. He's collecting your tithing. What are you talking about? I'm talking about devils that transform themselves into ministry to bring uh, to bring separations in lives and families and hearts to destroy people let me tell you something you're stronger together you're stronger together by the way I can't talk to this guy and I can't talk to this guy forget it brother Forget it. Amen. You're stronger together. We're fighting a war. We're fighting an enemy. We need every man of you, every woman of you, every child of you. That's that great anointing that comes upon us. And this anointing here, Brother Bram said, is the angel of the Lord. And he's leading us all the way out of this. (laughs) He's leading us. See what he's doing? It's a pillar of fire. It's the anointing. That is leading us. The pillar of fire is the anointing. Do I I need to prove that or can can we get that? The anointing is the pillar of fire. Now, if the anointing is the pillar of fire, the pillar of fire is here. How many knows where it's at? How many knows where the pillar of fire is at right now? The prophet of God said the pillar of fire is in the anointed body of Jesus Christ. The pillar of fire is an adopted sons of Almighty God. Know ye not that you are the temple of God. Now see, when you speak a little straight, all kinds of spirits are flying everywhere. But I pray the devil's never comfortable when I'm preaching. Sorry, I'm not a denominational preacher. I didn't come here to make you feel better. I come here to cut every devil and to run off everything that don't belong in the house of God. Come on, church. We're the anointed bride body of Jesus Christ. We don't have to lay 
down our weapons. We don't have to lay down our guns. We don't have to say, sorry, Mr. Devil. Amen. I'm sorry that we offend you. Listen, we have come here to take over, brother. We've come here to take this world over. Pentecost has come into the church, the anointed body. Now watch this, because this pillar of fire, we actually have a picture of it, which is the same God, the same anointing. It's the same light that appeared over Moses in Hebrews 11, the book of Exodus, in the Acts chapter 2. It was what Paul met. Amen. And it's the anointing that is leading the church. Can I, can I just, can I, can I, can I say a couple things to you? Now, Paul says that we should not be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. Now, in the Old Testament, the Assyrians were the yokes. In the Old Testament, the Philistines were the yokes. And bondages were yokes. And they were put up on oxen and every which way. When Paul was talking about it in Galatians 5, he was talking about the law. He was saying we shouldn't go back under the law once we have come into grace. Now, you see, the bondage and the yoke today is denominational thinking. It's the teaching of denomination that tries to encroach into the church. That it would bring people back under bondage of, of, of lifestyles that are altered. Of, 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 of humanity that was designed to live for God. And then something begins to encroach in their life. And they start getting entangled again. In what God brought them out of. Now. When Paul says this in Galatians 5, you can't help but to see that Paul is talking about something. But you've got to go to Galatians 4 to figure out what Paul's talking about. So if you go back and read Galatians 4, it's the story of the seeds of Abraham. It's the story of two seeds of Isaac and Ishmael. Right? And he said one of them's a bond and the others are free. And he said they're not heir together. He said one come from Jerusalem, one come from above, and they're not heir together, Right? He calls one a seed, the other shut. That's the way Brother Branham preaches it. Now, Brother Branham said no type is perfect in twos. It takes three. He said, so we have Isaac, we have Ishmael. He said, then there's the royal seed, which was Jesus Christ. That was Mary's seed. By promise, without the intimate of man. It was a virgin birth. It was the right seed. Now, when you read this, Paul is talking about that when you're immature or young in the, in the Lord, that you're nothing different than a servant. He says this very clearly. He said you're just like a servant. You're a son, but you don't know your authority. You don't know what you are. So you're under the bondage and servitude as a servant, but yet you're a son. And he's showing once that you come out of that, that you should never return to that bondage again. Now, look, look, at, look in saying this. A prophet teaches a message, see, not ever the shuck. How many have many heard that message? If you hadn't heard it, there's a couple of them, and they're very powerful sermons. And what Brother Branham is talking about is he's talking about that in the fall of the year, or in his case, he's talking about wheat, which I believe could be the spring of the year. But he's talking about when the season of harvest comes, the light changes, and it forces a separation in seed and shuck. So light stimulates growth in the plant to come to a separation. Now the separation is so that the original seed can be manifested. 
Because that's the purpose is the seed come to seed again. Now, when we look at this, we understand Brother Random was typing this in the church. And he was saying we've had justification and we've had sanctification and we've had baptism of the Holy Ghost. Yeah, this is his teaching. He said, now, the teaching of the baptism of the Holy Ghost at Azusa was not the original Holy Ghost that fell on the day of Pentecost. He said it was a shock, which was a reformation of the gifts, but it didn't take us to the original. He said, and how do we know it didn't? Because it organized. Showing that it was a shock, it wasn't the original life. But in the season that this was happening, God sent the Son of Man, the anointed light, to press upon a separation between the two. Now, in saying that, now I come from the south, deep south there in Arkansas. They grow soybean down there and rice. And, but in the soybean, you know the first thing a farmer does to a soybean field? He clears every tree in sight. Because if you're watching a soybean field in the fall and in October or late, late September when they get ready to harvest... If you're watching the fields, parts of that field will be more green than other parts. If there's a tree around, the, the side where that tree's been, will be a, a, it, there'll be a stunted growth. They won't be as mature. They won't get as many bushels because the light wasn't able to have its effect upon that part of the crop. So what the farmer will do is it cuts down all the trees, which makes it really, really, really hot. I mean really hot. 105 hot. No shade, no protection, nowhere to hide. Right under the heat of the sun. Now, that plant could not stand that when it's about that tall. But the longer the season goes, the heat of that sun presses a maturity upon that seed. Now, in the fall of the year, when the August presence of the sun gets in a certain place, it's beaming right down on that little soybean, and he's crying, Oh, it's too hot. Ah, it's just too hot. But there's no way to hide. Because something is making him come to what he was made to be. Listen to me, this message may get hot. Brother Tom's sermons may sometimes just burn the hide off of you. And you just look for a place to hide. But listen, don't hide from this message. Get under the Word of God. It's the only thing that can mature you and take the shock off of your life. Now, it's up to you how long will you stay under this anointing. You watch certain people, they come to the church and they'll stay for the water baptism. But just as soon as some teaching comes around... About tithing. Who can't handle that anointing. All of a sudden, maybe a young girl, she likes the fashions of the world. The Holy Spirit begins to deal with the ministry. They start talking about the way they're dressing, the way their hair is. And all of a sudden, they got to get out from under it. I can't get that. I can't, can't, can't take that kind of preaching. But there'll be another little girl. She says, man, it's hot. Oh, but I'm feeling it's just, just taking me where I'm supposed to be. I'm like that little dewdrop, and I'm tired of the darkness. Shine on me. Make me more than what I am. Don't leave me like a brother Tim, don't leave me like I am. Men of God, don't leave them like they are. 
Take this message and beat the devil off. Cut the devil away. Drive the spirits out. Don't let them rest in our lives. We're not here tonight to house spirits. We are here to house the presence of the living God. Well, I hope I don't destroy all of you tonight. The heat will stimulate. It will stimulate growth. It will stimulate life. It will stimulate. That's what the sun does is it stimulates the economy of God and makes you move from shuck to seed and takes you into the position you're supposed to be as a son. The anointing's doing this. Now, if you stay under this anointing, Egypt was left behind, and they stayed on the anointing enough to cross the Red Sea, but some of them couldn't cross over. But some of them stayed under the anointing to cross the Jordan. Some stayed under the anointing to become and see Rahab and Tamar and Ruth. They stayed under the anointing longer, and it's up to you how long will you stay under this anointing. Will you let the anointing take you to everything God said you could be? You think about this tonight. This anointing that's come upon your life, it is here as you stay under this anointing. It is here to deliver you and take you into the presence of God. Now, I believe without a shadow of a doubt, I believe as the children of God said here tonight, I believe that we are, amen, the bride body of Jesus Christ. How many believes that? We are the bride body of Jesus Christ. Ephesians, amen, chapter 1. We read it like this. It says, and the 20th verse, And when he had wrought in Christ, he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above principality and power, and might say far above. How high? Far above. Far above. Principality and power and dominion and every name that is named. Not only in this world, but also in the world that is to come. And hath put all things. Can you you say that with me? All things. Hath put all things under his feet. And gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Which is his body that fills the fullness and filleth all in all. Which is his body. All things have been put under their feet. Now you know good and well Brother Ram taught this. He said when Jesus was lifted, you were lifted with him. And God lifted him high and exalted him above all and put everything under his feet. Now, as the bride body of Jesus Christ, we are the body of Jesus. And Brother Adam says it like this. He said, even if you was the skin on the bottom of the feet of Jesus, you're still over the devil. He said, Brother Wayne, I'm the weakest person in this building. You're still over the devil. If you're a part of the body of Jesus, you are still over the devil because you're a part of the body of Jesus Christ. Can I have a couple more moments? If I ask you tonight to identify yourself, how many of you got driver's license in your pockets? Or you got driver's license? I ain't got mine either. If I asked you to identify yourself, how would you identify yourself? You'd show me your driver's license. And it does not have a picture of your foot. I have a picture of your hand. Not a picture of your arm. Don't have a baby picture. It's going to have to be a current identification. Right? 
And it's a picture of your lovely face. Isn't it odd that the whole body is identified by the head? The entire body is identified by the head. Your hands, your feet, your arms, your leg, the entire thing is identified by the head. When you say my name, you're thinking of this guy right here. Because that's what identifies you. Everybody accepts that as identification, doesn't it? Can we have that next picture? Amen. In 1963, in the spring, amen, God gave us a picture of our head. You say, who are you, Brother Wayne? Show me your identification. Who are you? You say, who is that? That is... Our Lord up there, I don't care what devil says, it's a rocket blast. That's a devil who's lied to you. And this is a preacher that ain't scared of him. If Brother Random said that's what it is, I guarantee you that is our Lord up there. And that white wig is seven angels that put a wig upon his head and identified him as Revelations, the first chapter, as Revelations, the tenth chapter. That mighty angel is the headship is right there and it's right up on that board. Amen. Now I'm going to read you something why that remains up there. Amen. Who, 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 who is that? Is that you? Who can identify right there? Amen. The prophet of God, according to Revelation 10, John said this. He said, I seen a mother mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was, how many knows a rainbow was in that picture when they took it 28 minutes after sunset? And there was iridescent colors captured in that, in that cloud because it's not a thunder cloud. Come on, that was seven angels forming the face of our Lord Jesus Christ to identify, amen, something was upon the earth. Come on, church. The reason there's no body connected to this because he's the heavenly bridegroom and he's got an earthly bride and you are the body of that headship. are not a headless church. Our headship is not in Rome. Our headship is not in Jeffersonville. Our headship is in the Almighty God. This is our headship. And I deny any spiritual headship outside of the message of the hour. That's our head. That's our head right there. It's the light of the resurrection shining upon it. And the Bible said when this descended, it says it very clearly here. It said, and as it were the sun and his feet were as pillars. As Can you say it with me? Pillars of fire. What did we learn just a few minutes ago? That the pillar of fire divided itself. And came into this body. So when the scripture said his feet were pillars of fire. He was talking about you. 
body of the bride of Jesus Christ. Blood bought sons and daughters of God. Get out of here, devil. We're the children of God. We're the body, the blood bought body of Jesus Christ. Far above every principality, far above every devil, everything is under Everything is under your feet. Everything that can be named is under the feet of the bride of Jesus Christ. And y'all know one of them feet was on land and one was on sea. I'm closing here. One was on land and one was on sea. How many knows where that comes from? Revelation 13, read it when you get home. The Bible said the beast come crawling out of the sea. Brother Bram said that was wrong. That was wrong. Come crawling out of the sea. But when this mighty angel come down, there was a foot, a pillar of fire that squashed the head of Rome. Which spoke about this bride putting denomination under their feet. Come on, we're not under any Baptist or Lutheran or ideas. We have put denominationalism under our feet. Hey man, have you, have you ever just felt of it? What it feels like just to put the devil under you one time. Just, just to remind the devil. Satan. You're right here under, listen, if he's up there, if he's up there talking to you tonight, he's out of place. He's not supposed to be on your shoulder. He's supposed to be under your foot. He's not supposed to be over your head. He's supposed to be under your foot. Come on, God. It's time to remember who you are. It's time to remember you are the pillars of fire in this generation that has put down every denomination. Rome is under one foot. And that other, that other one come up out of that land. Brother Branham recognized it. He said it was a, it was a buffalo, a lamb that spoke like a, like a, like a buffalo. He, Brother Branham said, that's America. He said, see it come out of land. He said that was America. Come on, church. That American spirits come out of Hollywood. And Hollywood has evangelized the entire world. Brother Branham called it the seed of the Satan. And he said he's evangelized the whole world. And he started right there and he's put his filth in every nation in the, in the earth. Now I tell you what, we can get pretty plain here. Might as well go ahead and say a little bit anyhow. But you know where, you know where the, the main frame of homosexuality is? Los Angeles, California. And they're projecting it over the television all over the world. And trying to normalize an altered lifestyle when God never in all of the Bible. So preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying there's some people going to put their foot on that homosexual spirit. That might be alright for the world, but not for a child of God. They can do what they want to, but when it comes to a child of God, we're going to put our foot right on the head of that devil. Somebody's going, come on, you know I'm telling you the truth. That old devil's raised its head up in the last days among, among young men and women and tried to creep into the church of the living God and normalize. It'll never be normal in the house of God. 
Young people, put your foot on that thing. Put it under you. Preacher, what are you talking about? It ain't just that maybe that there's some been some kind of an action that happened between people. But uh, can I just give y'all a brief a brief uh, fashion statement? Do y'all know who's designing clothes these days? Do you young men know who's designing the pants you're wearing? Well, they probably won't kick you off the internet after this, but I'll tell you, homosexuals are designing the clothing. And you may not be a homosexual at all, but you're starting to look like it. Come on, when in the world did that ever come into the house of God? You think these bunch of girls want to marry a sissy boy, look like something come out of... It's time to put your foot on it, young man. God separated those spirits in the Garden of Eden. They were both in one body and God separated the spirits. And if you get the Holy Ghost, He'll separate them spirits tonight. And a boy will be a boy. And a girl will be a girl. Put it under your foot. Brother Wayne, I tell you what, I can't believe you're preaching against the way we dress. Amen. Do you think that fashion's going to come in the church and the Holy Spirit's going to allow it? No. No. Men of God, anybody that's got a man of God left in them is going to say that stuff's crawled out of the pits of hell and tried to take over your life and bring an identification to you that you don't belong to. Well, since we're preaching, we might as well preach. What are you talking about? I'm talking about fashion. we got little girls that are as innocent as they could be. They would never do anything wrong. But because of some man has designed a clothing that is skin tight and sensual, our little girls are starting to look like some sexy sensual something because it's the fashion of the age we're living in. No, they're not immoral. They're dressing sensual because it's the fashion. But somebody's going to put their foot on that fashion. Somebody's going to say, not me, not my house, not my church, not my people. get a foot stomping religion going in this church tonight. Let's stomp every devil under our feet until the power of God would push back the spirits. Somebody's going to put them underfoot. Now here's the the problem we got. When the Holy Spirit really begins to move in anointing you begin to feel that power. You're getting under that power. You just get so caught away. You don't even realize it. But spirits are leaving right now. They're getting out of here quick, man. If you, if you had the discernment, you could see something happening right now. Brother Brown, at the end of his meeting, there was an Indian lady sitting next to another lady. The woman was sick. She had a fever. And Brother Brown discerns her. He looks at her and says, Ma'am, her musicians could come. He, said, he looks at this lady. He said, Ma'am... He said, I see you're sitting there with a hay fever. You're very sick. He said, you're healed in the name of Jesus. He said, but there's a lady sitting next to you. She's sick as well. Now put your hands on her. Now watch this. This woman was sick and under the dominion of sickness. But when a prophet started talking to her, she come above sickness 
and now had the authority to deliver a sick person next to him. Brother Branham says this. It's good. You can look this up. Brother Branham says it like this. He says, the spirit just left the woman. He said, I seen something white shoving a black thing out of the building. Can you imagine that Holy Ghost, that anointing, coming out of the hand of that little woman, pushing that spirit right out of the church? Let me tell you something right now. You're a powerful weapon. You're the pillars of fire. And you can take the word right now and begin to push those spirits, push them right out of your life. You can do it. When the Spirit of the Lord begins to move, I know, I know sometimes when it gets, gets a little rowdy. There's, thank God for our brothers here tonight. There's some people that they just, they're just not gonna, they just don't let the Spirit move, you know. But you know, when the Lord gave me, Lord gave us a miracle at home, and we got to have a little Evelyn, and we got a grandbaby. They, they live, they live there at the house. My son re, down my basement, he lives there. It's a very good thing for me. But we got all of our, we got our children raised and married. And, and you know, I get up some mornings, Brother Tom, and I go in there in the living room and get me a cup of coffee and I go to sit down and there's toys on the floor. I don't step on them. Just step over them. You know why I do that? Because it's evidence there's new life in the house. It's a miracle in my house. And I'm not going to step on the residue of birth. We're going to step on the head of the devil. But not the moving of the Holy Ghost. You step over things. And you step on the correct things. That don't belong in the house of God. Listen, sitting here tonight, I know. As we have preached this, the Holy Spirit's brooding over lives, brooding over hearts. I, I wish, honestly, I wish I was a better preacher. The things that I have in my heart to say, I don't seem to be able to say them the, the best way. But I will say this. I'll say that the God of Abraham is right here in this building tonight. This young man here got a trouble with his left shoulder. He asked me about it the other night. Some years back, brother, brother Tom, I had—I'll tell on myself—I was lifting a little bit of weight, and I ripped something in my shoulder. It got where I couldn't drive my truck. I couldn't move the covers on my bed. But Curtis, you remember that? You remember that? I couldn't lift five pounds with that hand. I went down. I had prayer. And I had different brothers pray for me. Got a doctor, nurse practitioner in the church, said, you need an MRI, Brother Wayne, probably need some surgery. I said, well, I don't know. I just, I just, I just want, I, I didn't want surgery. I wanted the Lord to touch me. And I suffered with it and suffered with it. And down at family camp, one of the last ones they had, maybe in the year you had to leave, I was standing in the pulpit preaching at Brother, at Brother Tim's and all of a sudden, something walked up behind me. And it was like they took their finger and just poked me right here in the shoulder blade. Just like that. 
and and my shoulder threw back. It was like and I finished preaching just like this. I thought, oh my, I've pulled something. So when I started leaving the sanctuary, I was walking kind of funny, and I was like, man, what have I done to myself? And a voice said to me, it's your healing. Now, I went from not being able to lift five pounds. I take this arm today and press 90 with one hand. Now, I don't know what the max on that is. Forgive me, but I don't try it. But I never had surgery. But while I was preaching, the anointing touched my life. Well, that same anointing is moving through this building. How many places in your life that people have told you you're not going to heal? can't get over this thing. We're wounded too deep. But there's a healer in the building. There's someone here to take that and change it. The same light that's there in those meetings. He's still here. He's still right here in this building tonight. He's moving through these aisles. He's speaking to needs. It's not the preacher in the pulpit. It's the anointing that's here. It's anointing that's moving. See, men hurt you. People hurt you. Not God. He never hurt you. It was God that did this. These situations in your life, God didn't cause. He's the healer. He's the healer. May just accompany me if you like. Was it not Georgie Carver that was completely paralyzed because she was raped by an uncle? She ended up with tuberculosis. Laid nine years. Because of what somebody else did to her. But when that pillar of fire visited the prophet. He said go down there and tell Georgie she's going to raise up. And God raised her from that situation. Now that, that, that same one. Is the one that spoke over your life. He's here tonight. He's here to change things. He's here to change them. We'll bow our hearts tonight. Father,
We bow our hearts, Lord, in your presence in this anointing. Your spirit's moving, Lord. The heat of the Son of Man is shining very brightly. Separations are happening. Hearts are making decisions. The anointing is forcing, pressing for change, growth, maturity. Now I pray, Father, tonight, as they place their foot upon the head of their enemy, Lord, may your great spirit begin to move in their soul. You walked up in the middle of a meeting and touched me. He went deep into a prison and he smoked Peter on the side. I pray now as you move through this building, Father. These hearts that are reaching out to you, Lord. They know it's not a man. There's something here greater. It's an anointing. And that anointing is here to change their lives. And we invite you, as a company of people, we invite you. We invite you. Changes. Mold us. Put us in thine hands. We thank you for it, Father. He is here. Hallelujah. He is
I'm just reading a quote this evening just before coming to service. Brother Brandon was just dealing with the people after his service, and he was just, this is, this is, the Lord was moving. And he was just saying, don't move, don't move. Please, he said, just please don't walk around. Because the anointing was moving amongst the people. I just pray tonight, even in the, the quietness of this moment and the tenderness of the atmosphere, Say, Lord, we're at, we're at a critical moment we are because some could be right at a decision point where they're, they're pressed to a choice. Say, Lord, would you make the right decision tonight? That pillar of fire is just, as Brother Wayne was saying, just moving through those prison bars. I wonder how deep he needs to go tonight, young people. How deep does he need to go to penetrate the deepest darkest area that the light can illuminate and free you from prison I pray tonight you just quiet yourself tonight maybe you need to make a move to him you say well I last night people came I don't I don't care about last night it's tonight that the Lord is dealing and this is your critical moment this is your critical moment. Why don't we just sing Shackled by a Heavy Burden? If you touch me. Oh, he touched me.
right at the end of the service and I believe that the hand the anointing that pillar of fire was touching maybe some very personal places of somebody's life maybe someone is broken as we sang this morning I want to it sang at the beginning I want to sing it again healer of the broken pieces because the one that is here as Brother Wayne put up on the screen, the pillar of fire. I pray that it is so real tonight that we can't just look back and say, well, that was 1950s. That's right here, right now. And if when that anointing was with a prophet then and the word could go forth and discern the hearts and the, the thoughts and the intents of the hearts, if that was there then, if he's the same God today, he is still discerning the heart. He's still discerning your life. And the finger of God tonight, I I believe, has placed it very tenderly, very gently, and maybe very forcefully for some in an area that is in a dark area. But our God is a healer of broken pieces. I pray tonight, if you're that one, maybe it is only one. You sing this song. Maybe you want prayer. Whatever it may be. Tonight, if you're broken, broken in spirit, broken in mind, broken in body, he's the healer of the pieces. You are the healer. 
just a healer and puts it back together in a cobbled way. Our God puts it back together where there ain't no mending lines left. And when he binds the brokenhearted, heals the wounded in spirit. That's the one that's here tonight. Don't just look at me saying, well, sing another song and we'll get through tonight. No, no, no. The healer is in our midst. The healer is walking this way. When the healer was walking through Israel, when he was walking through Judea, they were crying, oh, son of David, son of God. They were calling, I have mercy on me. I have need of you tonight because the healer was in the midst. He was on the scene. I say tonight the healer is on the scene. Don't let him pass by. Don't be sitting against the wall where blind Bartimaeus was. And he's calling out, have mercy. And there's one saying, what are you crying so loud for? What what are you calling for? That's just some heretic. No, he was calling out because he knew there was one that could open the blinded eyes. There was one that could heal the blood issue. So she tore through the crowd. She said, I don't care what's going on. I got to get through as we said at the opening service. So tear through the crowd tonight. My goodness, every one of us are a needy people tonight. If we could just un- see with, oh, God could just open our eyes and say, he's really in our midst. Get rid of the five senses, saints. Oh, but my eyes just need to see the pillar of fire somewhere. You don't need to see it with your eyeballs. It's your faith that needs to reach out. And the blinded eyes are open. Hallelujah. God, help us not miss our moment tonight. Lord, help us not miss the moment tonight. That we would indeed, Lord, be. That we could indeed press, Lord, God, through the crowd, through the clouded mind, through the mental battle, sitting in our chair or standing, oh God. Lord, there's just one heart that just battling it out. Satan is just forcing his way, trying to trying to combat the mind. Lord, we heard tonight that it's not that's not his position. It's not on in the in the face, it's not on the shoulder. His position is under the feet, oh God. Lord, I pray tonight, Lord Jesus, that the anointing that was spoken about tonight, Lord, your works would perform here. Signs would follow the word of God. Lord, your prophet said so many times, if I spoke the truth, then he'll come behind it, Lord. You would come behind it, Lord, and vindicate the true word of God. I pray tonight that you would come behind your word that was spoken by a servant of God, speaking the true word of God of this hour. Would you vindicate, O God, as your prophet spoke the service, proving your word, proving his word. Prove it tonight, O God, in our midst. Oh, Jesus, break the chains. Break the bonds of the mind. Oh, Lord, may the people receive, Lord, all that they need tonight. Deliver the souls. God, awaken. Awaken, oh God, a desire in some that maybe just seem so stony and cold. May, Lord Jesus, a desire well up in the heart. Burn. Burn. Consume us, Lord. Consume us with your presence tonight, Lord.
with our lips. But I pray, Lord, let's may let our faith start making tracks tonight. I'm thinking, I was thinking of Martha as we did Lazarus. And he said, roll back the stone. Jesus said, roll back the stone. Martha had to get in there. And she had to do something. The stone had to be rolled back before Lazarus could come walking out. Tonight you can say, Lord, I believe. But maybe you have to do something. I just, Brother Branham, he just was in the end of a service. And he was talking to the people. He said, I want you. This is, this is bold lion faith. Bold lion faith. He said, I want you. He prayed. Then he said, I want you to put your, your finger in your ear. And those that you are deaf, I want you. You can hear out your ear. Can you hear out your other ear? He said, I want you to come up now and make a testimony. He said, you that were lame in your legs. He said, get up. That's okay if you're a little lame there still. Get up and make a testimony. He started speaking to different ones that had a need. He said, now get up and come and have a testimony. He was putting faith in action. Wasn't saying, Lord, I believe. But he was making them move on it. Confess it. And it was happening there. He said he wasn't scared that maybe it wasn't in the moment. He even speaks about it. But they were walking in their faith now and confessing it and making it reality. So he said, Lord, I believe. He might, he's going to ask. He's going to require something from me. Amen. Glory to God. Sister Sylvia. Amen. Your faith makes you healed. That's faith in action, saints. That's a bold step. Maybe sometimes we're too scared to make the step. Well, I don't know. Is it going to happen? Hey, we've heard it too many times. We've heard John Ryan too many times over the last few months. He was he was okay to make it happen. He was okay to make, make that bold step. God might be asking you to make the bold step. Saying, are you believing? Well, Lord, I believe, but you need to do something first. And he's saying, uh-uh. You said you believe, so then walk in it. Then I'll come behind you, and I'll fulfill my word. You make the step. Roll back the stone. She rolled it back because she knew he was standing there. And he was going to then make action on his word. He, she wasn't going to, she wasn't, she believed 100% that Lazarus was coming through. So she rolled back the stone. Jesus was on the scene. Amen. And the dead walked out of the grave. Amen. I pray there were some dead walking out of the grave. When Brother Tom was doing the closing at the camp, he said, oh, I wish I'd had the parents come up and been able to walk out of the grave, walk out of the stone. I said, man, Dad, I, oh, I should have just nudged you one more time because that would have been a moment. What a visual for our young people to see the parents, those that have given their hearts to God, sealed by the Holy Ghost, walking out of that tomb. That was me. I was a Lazarus. But God, that a pillar of fire came by my way and rolled back the stone and brought me right back out of darkness. Amen. Brother Wayne just so blessed me. Brother Mike. Yes, sir. My shoulder is healed. Glory to God. Amen, Brother Joey. Amen. Why not? Why not you? Why not now? Why not? It's 
shouldn't be any over over. Whoa! That's what we believe for. Brother Wayne give a testimony that his shoulders healed. Brother Joey need the healing. It's his faith that anchored that it's done. Amen. It should be that simple. It shouldn't be complicated in our minds. Well, I got to do this and that. Really, no. It was just simple faith. Oh, God, help us. Help us. speaking about the pillar of fire his feet as pillars of fire and the devil under our feet I thought oh and we we are that pillar of fire inside of us you know what you know what happens when you put fire and pressure together okay you're not all scientists that's okay neither am I but when you put extreme heat which I'd have to say that the pillar of fire would be the hottest heat you could ever imagine. It prob- there's probably no scale that could even register the heat of what that pillar of fire emits. Spiritually, naturally, or whichever you want to take it. But then when the pressure is also placed on it with supernatural heat, you know what happens? Rock is formed. Metamorphic sedimentary rock is formed with heat and pressure. Make that devil a stone. You're the pillar of fire. You have the heat of God inside you, the pillar of the anointing inside you, and the pressure on top of them. Stonify them. Tell me what a stone can do to you. It's dead. It's not alive. It's a nothing. And that's what our devil is. When you combine pressure and heat, make him a nothing. And zip him. Just kick him aside. A little pebble. That's what can happen when you put him in the right place with the right anointing. Take it. Because that's what's going to keep you free. Amen. From from delivered and overcomers in this life. Amen. Amen. I don't know how we could even get through these set of services without singing. Arise. Possess your inheritance. It would be impossible not to sing that song. I've heard it quoted and quoted and quoted. So we're going to sing Arise. I hope it's not just a song that we are singing, but maybe today for one person, it's just a bit more or a whole lot more of a reality. said this song is what was on his heart when these meetings were put on his heart and you know saints what brother Wayne preached God was preparing you in multiple services for these moments here just getting you primed and ready I don't know. I don't, I'm not a mechanic by Zippo means, so I could be wrong. But you prime when you prime something, you kind of get it ready so that you kind of prime the line so there's no air in it. And you kind of get it ready to go. Am I about right on something like that? You prime a line. We were getting primed, getting everything out of the lines so that there was free flowing, full pressure right here, right now. So that you get all that out of clear, everything cleared. You heard about abstract. You heard about possession, inheritance. It was just God priming the lines. So that here right now, it's full pressure, full anointing, full power. That gas tank's not just... No, 
It's a full pressure gas line hitting that engine for full power tonight so that the anointing of God can be in full effect in your life right here, right now. So now we're going to sing this with full power. Amen. All right. I'm going to sing it with full power.
me, please. Bring the bridge up. I can tell the world that I am free. I've heard that trumpet sound. My goodness, I could hear that account over and over and over again of a slave being set free. And it just never gets old for me. You know why? Because if you're ever in bondage, that feeling of being set free could never die. I just don't believe you could ever lose the feeling of, oh my goodness, I'm free. That's why you can tell the world, all seven and a half billion of them, I'm free tonight. I heard the trumpet sound. That's why I got jubilee in my heart. Freedom from all burden. Oh my goodness. I pray if you're sitting down in the seat tonight, you too can be free tonight. Brother Michael, you're just excited. No, I'm free. (laughs) Just want to tell you that again. I'm free. I got nothing holding me back. I'm just like that. I'm just like Enoch, just waiting for that next little step. Amen. You know, last night we said there was a supernatural sweeper that went through. Garbage truck that picked up all of your chains. Remember that? Brother Wayne said tonight, we are pushing all the demons right out the door. Well, there's the supernatural D8 that just came through and plowed everything out of here. There ain't no reason. Two nights now. It's gone by the garbage truck and pushed up by the D8. Free. Indeed. Double. Free and indeed. They told me that indeed is my word. I say indeed a lot, apparently. So, I'm free. Indeed. Amen. Wow, it's quarter to 11. Lord, help us. Brother John and Frey said, well, are we just going to go all night like Brother Tom said last year? Well, <laughs> so I'll tell you this. If you need to go off grounds, you're free to go. If you're on grounds, you're free to stay. Because I'm going to sing another song. I heard that. I want to sing Rejoice, but that could be maybe a little tough for everybody. Yes? No? You know that song? Okay, let's sing it. We have that in the words, though? Or we'll just sing the song, because I'm going to sing the chorus. Oh, rejoice. That one. Yeah, sure. Look what the Lord has done. Mm-hmm. He broke the rising
rejoicing amen like I said if you're not on the grounds you can go but if you're on the grounds we're just gonna stay you know where because what's gonna happen my watch is gone if you've got babies that's all right you can take them to bed you ain't gonna hurt me by walking out the door but my watch tells me that it's somewhere close to 11. And somewhere closer to 11.30, I'm going to say, well, it's probably about time for bed because we got church in the morning. But if we're having church, well, that's an exemption. So guess what? We were supposed to sing a few days ago, Jesus Dropped the Charges, because it was preached on. And Brother Tom looked over and said, oh, yeah. I said, well, I don't know. But here it is tonight. Jesus Dropped the Charges. You say, why is this a camp song, Brother Michael? Well, I don't care what you want to call it. It's my song. Because that's what he did for me, and that's what he did for you. So we're going to sing. My Jesus dropped the charges. All right? Yes. So I was guilty. Well, I was doomed in disgrace. But my Jesus, with a special love, oh, he saved me by his grace.
I don't know if she's in the tent tonight, but she's in the kitchen probably. But she had a case just a little bit ago. It was causing her a lot of headache, heartache, strain and pressure. But her EBA did too. My goodness. They both could tell you the release. Because both of them had their cases pushed aside. <laughs> yeah, the, the judge was just like, yeah, that's just not worth my time. Satan's like, do you see all of their issues? Do you see this long list of problems that they get? i got to bring up my accusations. He's like, all right, let me just... No, it's not worth my time. I'm sorry. It's dismissed. There ain't nothing there no more. I don't even want to look at a devil. You sure I got a great case? No, it's dismissed. Just move on to the next one. Oh, well, I got plenty of them. Here's the next one. Oh, sorry. Oh, that's, that's Abigail Schmaltz's Sorry, case dismissed. Oh, sorry. That's Jean Manet. Ah, that's case dismissed. Oh, oh, sorry. That's Butter West Nygaard. Case dismissed. It's case dismissed all over the building. Not one person here, not one person here is like, oh, this person's guilty. Put him in the slammer. No, no, no. It's dismissed. Amen. That's why each one of you should be able to walk out the door free, singing a rise, because it's dismissed. Amen. Put in the supernatural shredder so that it's never brought back again. I don't care who wants to try and piece your papers. It's supernaturally shredded. You know, they try to do that. Put stuff together and from back from the shredder. Not with this one. It's done gone. The abstract's clear. As we heard, amen? Amen. Well, my goodness. I could keep going. But I won't. Maybe the last song. My Theophany. Can we sing that one? Please tell me we have the words. Please. Good. And the verses? Good. Okay. How about you help me, Joey? Even better. Because you're right, right here. Here we are. One day. One day. Maybe just in a few moments. We're there. I'm there. I don't know you. Amen. You ready, Joey? Yes, sir. Here we go. Oh, don't you worry, little children. Surely death knock on your door. Don't you know that death?
him to do I thought my that's quite the leash that God's got the devil on because he's only able to do you know have anybody ever walked a dog yeah you've walked your dog before and he's walking along and he's wanting to go that way and he's like pulling hard and you're holding the leash hey I've had my dog there and he's he's going this direction like buddy man get over here right He's working hard. He's like sniffing on something. He's got something to desire. And he's like, get on over here. Well, guess what? (laughs) That old devil, he's on a leash. And it's got a seriously strong cord connected to him. And he's like, well, I just think I got to go a little further. And God's like, yank, come on. Ain't happening. You're only allowed to do what I'm going to let you do. And if he puts him on a tight leash, well, then that devil, he ain't walking far. He might let him go a little further. But sure enough, he's on a leash. And he ain't going to do any more than what God knows you can handle for your perfection. Amen. So don't, you know, you can get, go through a trial. Just remember, it's just the devil on a leash. (laughs) 
He's not running amok. Amen. Amen. What a time. What a time. Why? Because we love his presence. That's what's calling me. My goodness, heaven will be wonderful. We'll be singing. They'll be shouting. There it is. There's our last song. There it is. There it is. They, they, give me a good note because I need it. There we are. They'll be singing. They'll be shouting over. In Jerusalem. Well, in Jerusalem. crazy. I know some of you might be in here saying, man, these people are wild. It's, it's, it's like, do you see space between my fingers? That's about, a, that's about the amount it is now compared to what it'll be then. Oh my goodness. Because we'll be liberated out of this fleshly body that can hinder us. You know, you, you just, oh man, you know how many times somebody's come out here and they're like, man, I could just burst it in there. I could have gone dancing down the aisle. And like, okay, why didn't you? I'm in next time. Well, this is the next time. <laughs> I just wish I went running through there. Okay. Here's your time. <laughs> what's holding you back? This carcass. That's what's holding you back. It's roaring at you. But one day, I just about jumped over there. I looked at it. <laughs> one day, this old body won't have this dimension to hold us back. It won't have gravity to hold us back. If you're like, I could just jump to the bazillion star, you would. Whoa. Whoa, Margaret just went flying. Yes, indeed. Because nothing will hold you back from singing loud Hosanna. Oh, my goodness. You're like, I could just run like a, run, run through a troop. I'm sorry, but Walt Disney got nothing on you. When this little fast, speedy, incredible fella ain't happening. That is a negative of the positive because nothing will hinder you. Nothing will hinder us when this body gets released. But don't let it hinder you now. <laughs>
from giving God all the praise. Amen. I can run through a troop and leap over a wall. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's my rock, my shield. He gives power to all. Hallelujah. different story. <laughs> Leap over a wall. <laughs> wow. I love it. Amen. Hey, I just help you put some visual to it. You need it. It needs to be reality. Not just, oh, that sounds like a good song. No, it's real. Amen. That's why we're excited. I can't close. So I'm going to hand it over. You want to close in prayer? You know, Brother Tom says, I think you're closing that. I'm like, I'm casting all my cares on Him. I know You love me.
restoration. Full redemption. Not halfway. Not just a quarter way. Not nine-tenths of the way. Full. Full. Amen. He paid it all at Calvary. The kitchen's getting angry with me. Because there's supposed to be snack tonight. So we'll just close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we love your word, Lord. Because we're word people. Bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, Lord, you deposited your spirit within us, Lord. And we cannot help but love you. Because we're part of you, Lord. Lord Jesus, I pray tonight, Lord, those that have been impacted, Lord, and transformed, delivered, Lord, healed, touched. Lord, each one of them, oh God, may they go from this little tent singing and shouting the victory and giving you praise and glory and thanksgiving, Lord. Lord, for what you did for them, may they testify as legion. Jesus told him to go back and testify what you, you did, what you did for him, Lord. So I pray that's what each one of us will do. From table to table, chair to chair, friend to friend. Lord, they could continue to confess. Look what God just did for me. I was a wretched sinner just a little bit in that tent there. But God came down and touched my soul. God came down and delivered me from this demon of depression. God delivered me from anxiety. God delivered me from the fashions of this world. God delivered me from the lusts of this world. He's a deliverer. Oh God, if we all here went and testified like that, there wouldn't be any devil that could come within 500 feet of us, Lord, because, Lord, they're testifying of your goodness. And, Lord, they would be pressed back by the faith in your people. So I pray, Lord, tonight we'd go get a little rest, rejuvenate our bodies, Lord, and come back in the morning ready to worship you, ready to come into your house with thanksgiving. Lord Jesus, I pray you, you strengthen us. We thank you for the food that, Lord, this, the brothers and sisters have labored for. Forgive us for lingering a little bit, Lord. But, Lord, we're just rejoicing. We're just loving, Lord, just testifying and singing of your goodness, Lord. Lord, it's just a glimmer of heaven as, Lord, it will be timeless in just that one step we make into eternity. And time will be no more. And, Lord, we'll never have to worry about limits again. But I pray tonight, Lord, you go with us now. Dismiss us in your presence. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen. God bless you. I have thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed myself in the presence of God tonight. Amen. Those that have to drive home, please drive safely. Please slip off the grounds if you can. Just as you depart here, we will be going to a snack, which is for the campers here that are on grounds. And enjoy the presence of the Lord. I have some announcements to make, but I'll do that tomorrow because I just don't want to ruin the atmosphere. So we're just going to praise him. As you feel to do, slip up to the kitchen. But we're here to worship. So, God, if you feel pressed to continue to worship, you worship. Because he'd do it all. God bless you. Dismiss in Jesus Christ's name.